morning again. Want to uh, take a minute and welcome uh, KidZone uh, into, into the room today. So we're glad to have them here today. Um, <clears throat> on, uh, on the fifth Sundays, uh, KidZone uh, comes into the service. And it's uh, one of those things that we uh, have found certain transitions are kind of trickier than others. And so uh, we don't want them to kind of get out of fifth grade and their first experience ever being in this room uh, is, is that next Sunday. So um, a few times a year on the fifth Sundays, there's uh, four of those a few times a year, they come in and, and join us and kind of experience this environment um, and so they can kind of get used to it. So uh, we're glad that you're here. Um, this is a, a, a nice crowd. Uh, I was told, telling a couple of people this morning that um, historically the last Sunday of the year is the worst attended service of the year. So um, I don't think that's going to be true of us this year. So um, we're, we're glad to have you here. And I want to start out uh, talking and introducing this series uh, by asking you a question. What is your favorite chain restaurant? So when you think about a, a restaurant with a lot of different places, uh, maybe even around the world, what is your favorite chain restaurant? Go ahead and tell your neighbor. Do we, have a, do we have a couple like fast food people, like McDonald's, that, that sort of thing, a couple people? All right. Um, one of my favorite kind of chain restaurants, and the reason for it is uh, the consistency of it, is Chick-fil-A. Um, the, other, the other reason I like uh, Chick-fil-A is uh, they're a Christian company, so it's like Jesus Chicken. All right. So, um, and uh, I like that idea as well. But um, I first started noticing this uh, in Chick-fil-A, but this is true of a lot of companies, is the consistency of the product they put out and the consistency of the environment they create. And so it, it's just really interesting to me, this idea of business culture. So you can go to any Chick-fil-A and you can have almost uh, an identical experience at any Chick-fil-A across, across the world, honestly. Uh, a very uh, friendly atmosphere, um, delicious chicken, right? Um, a play environment for your kids uh, that, that we really appreciate. Um, and you're, you're almost guaranteed a good experience. Although last time I mentioned this in a sermon, someone did come up to me after and uh, tell me about their bad experience at a Chick-fil-A, which, you know, I'm, I'm sorry about that. But um, I find that almost every experience at, at Chick-fil-A is, is a good one. And that's the idea of culture. And what's interesting to me on the opposite side of that is that there are places that you can uh, go where you're almost guaranteed to have a bad experience, you know, and you go there, you go, to, you go to one restaurant and then you go to another one in another state or another city and you're like, why do I even come here to this restaurant? It's almost always a bad experience and that's the idea of culture. And so churches have culture too, right? And, and you think about, when I think about as um, the, the minister here, I, when I think about what um, I want kind of embedded in our Northwest culture, um, one of the things I want embedded in our culture is the idea that we love grace, right? That, that when people think about Northwest Christian Church, um, it would make me very happy if they were like, oh, that's the church that loves grace. They've been impacted by uh, the love and grace of Jesus, and they love to show it. They love to think about it. They love to preach on it. Another thing I'd like uh, embedded into our culture is the idea of excellence, right? The idea that uh, excellence, I'm stealing this quote, but excellence honors God and inspires people. When you think about God, 
God is a God of excellence. When you go way back to even the creation story, uh, the idea of God uh, creating the heavens and the earth, I mean, all of God's creation is excellent with the exception of cats, of course. But other, other than that, right? Other than that, his creation is excellence, right? And so, and so God, God is a God of, of excellence. So excellence honors him and it also inspires people. So one of the things we want to do around here is we want to kind of try to the best of our ability, ability limit, limit distractions and have an excellent service, right? Um, I want uh, embedded in our culture to be that we love everyone, uh, that Jesus commands us to love our spouse and our neighbor and our enemies. We're told to pray for those who persecute us. And so we, we love everyone. Um, we love Jesus and we love his word, right? So those are some of the culture things around here. But have you ever thought about the culture that God is trying to establish? Right? So companies have a culture, church have a culture. What is the, what is the uh, culture that God would like to establish <clears throat> And his people. And this is what this series is really all about. It's really about the Jesus culture, the, the culture that Jesus wants to establish. And when Jesus was walking around here on earth, one of the primary ways that he described what he came to bring was the kingdom of God. He would say, the kingdom of God is near. And, and we don't use that word very often. You don't, you know, walk into your house and say, maybe you do, but you shouldn't. But I'm home to my kingdom, right? The king has arrived sort of thing, right? We, 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 don't, use that, we don't use that phrase. So let me kind of draw a couple parallels because Jesus used the word kingdom, but you might think about this as an office, right? That every office has somebody who's uh, the leader. And in theory, it would be your boss, but it's not always, right? Uh, in theory, uh, you, you have a boss that is the leader uh, of the office and you have people that work within that little kingdom, if you will, um, and you have a mission that you're trying to accomplish, all right? So you could think about it as an office. You could think about it as a family. You, you really could. That, uh, um, uh, families have somebody who is in charge. Um, hopefully it's the mom and the dad, right? <laughs> right? Although we all know families where that's not true, but hopefully the mom and dad are the ones in charge. And you have other people that live within that little kingdom. They have a mission they're trying to uh, accomplish. You might think of it as a country. If you, or if you uh, don't, don't care for the word kingdom, you might think about it as a country where every country has a leader, every country has a president or, or a king. And uh, then there's people that live within that country and they're trying to accomplish a certain mission. And so Jesus, but Jesus used the word kingdom. So let's talk about a kingdom. Every kingdom has a king and ours does too. And it's Jesus. So every kingdom has a king. Every kingdom has uh, laws, right? And our kingdom does too, right? Our king has passed laws. And so every kingdom has laws. Every kingdom has a community, right? All over the world uh, today, people are worshiping Jesus and they've gathered together. And every, uh, every community, every kingdom uh, has a community of, of people. And that's what, this, that's what this series is all about. So Jesus happens onto the scene, scene and he starts talking about the kingdom of God. And then in one of his uh, well, it is his longest recorded sermon. We don't know if it's the longest sermon that he preached or just his longest recorded sermon. He uh, lays out his kingdom, that this is what it's like to worship the king. This is what it's like to live in the community. And, and so this series was actually originally supposed to start next Sunday, 
All right, and so tomorrow's gonna feel like a little bit of a different intro, but it was supposed to start next Sunday. And um, as I was preparing for the series, I really wanted to expose you uh, to the entirety of this text. And I wasn't really sure how to do it. So we decided to actually um, start the series today. And uh, I wanted to do a little intro uh, today. And uh, I wanted us to begin um, to see the sermon that Jesus preached. And um, we're using some new technology here. Um, so I don't know if this is gonna go smoothly or badly, but this is supposed to be the lowest attended service of the year. And you all showed up, this is when we try things out, all right? So um, if this doesn't go well, we're gonna go with uh, some sort of plan B, but it's already been a little, bit of, a little bit glitchy on my iPad. So we'll see how it goes. But I wanna show you this sermon and I wanna show it from beginning to end. And so I'm gonna read it to you. It's gonna be on the screen and uh, we'll, we'll kind of get a taste of, of this sermon together. So go ahead and roll the video. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. 
Settle matters quickly with your adversary who's taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. We're going to explain that later, right? It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go to hell. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, makes her the victim of adultery, and anyone who marries the divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill the Lord, to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Children will try. Um, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. You have heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you. Do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored uh, by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be done in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts 
as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you, don't, if you do not forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. We'll get into that. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. They love to disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important, more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying at a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen, right? Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when the whole time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under your feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, 
do to others what you would have them do to you. This sums up the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, and every bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. That is the Sermon on the Mount. Thank you, Sam. <laughs> you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm a good reader, left to right. All right, so, um, so we're gonna pick that up, uh, we're gonna pick that up uh, next Sunday. And uh, we're actually gonna start at the end of the sermon. Uh, the end of the sermon is where Jesus tells that parable, and it's a really great place to start. And uh, here's what I want to encourage us with uh, as uh, we get ready to, to, to begin, is there are going to be things, and you may have kind of, uh, you may have kind of made a mental note as, as I was reading through that text, where it's like, uh-oh, Jesus has gone from preaching to meddling, right? And uh, there, are, there are things that are going to be hard to hear. There are things you don't want to hear. Uh, there are things that are going to be challenging to hear. There are going to be things that are easy to hear. There are going to be things that you're doing well. There are going to be things that you're not doing so well. And here's what Jesus is going to ask of us. He's going to ask us to listen. All right? So don't come in ready to be offended by Jesus. All right? And uh, please remember, all right, I didn't invent the mail. I'm just delivering it. So, right? If you're going to be mad, you know, Jesus, Jesus, these are Jesus' words. So, uh, there are going to be times where you feel like he's meddling and, and you feel like it's a little bit close to home. And what I'm going to ask you to do is come in and listen to him. And then let's try to the best of our ability to put his words into practice. Right? Let's try to the best of our ability to put his words into practice. And here now we go from the end of the, the sermon to the beginning. And what he promises is if we do that, if we'll walk in his kingdom, if we'll walk in his way, if we'll walk according to his words, he promises us blessing. He doesn't promise us easy street, right? He doesn't promise us the easy path. He doesn't promise us that hardship will never come. No, as a matter of fact, at the beginning and the end, it's like blessed are those who mourn. Well, I don't want to mourn, 
right? Blessed are those who are persecuted. Ah, no, Jesus, that's not, that doesn't sound good. And then, and then at the end of the sermon, it's like, and when the winds blow and beat against the house, it's like, wait a second, the winds are blowing against the wise guy's house, right? Yeah, they blow against both houses. So he's not promising, promising easy street. He's promising blessing. And th- those are different things. And so he promises us that if we'll hear his words and we'll put them into practice, he promises that we'll be blessed. And I can't think of any better way to start the year than that, is that my prayer for us this year is that we would walk in blessing and that we would receive his blessing. But the only way we receive his blessing is by hearing and putting into practice. Hearing and putting into practice. And we're gonna hear that a dozen times or more throughout the 15 weeks that we're in this sermon hearing and putting into practice. So I'm excited about this. Um, I really believe that you you may have had this thought as well as the sermon was scrolling on, is that man, if every person implemented these words, if every government implemented these words, if every congressman implemented these words, if every church implemented these words, how different would our world be? How different would our families be? How different would our relationships be? How different would our churches be? Man, Jesus knows what he's talking about. And this is the longest sermon that we have from him. And so we're gonna spend some time in it, 15 weeks, and we're gonna receive his teaching, we're gonna hear it, and we're gonna put it into practice. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for being the king of the kingdom. Uh, You know, Jesus, you know what is best. You You know how blessing comes, You know how true life is found. You know what that looks like. And so we want to, over the next 15 weeks, leading up to the celebration of your resurrection, we want to hear your words. Help us to hear. Sometimes we come in ready to be offended. Sometimes we come in as soon as we hear a catchphrase about money or or, or divorce or or a catchphrase like that, that that's in these texts. Sometimes a wall goes up and we stop listening. I want to pray that we wouldn't do that. Help us to hear your words, to absorb them, to hear them in our head and in our heart, and then put them into practice because we know that you're leading us to life and you're leading us to blessing. We want to walk in this sermon. We want to own this sermon. We want this sermon to be a description of our lives. Help it be so. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.